I'm happy that it's finally happening, and I'm really happy to meet you, first off, and then uh, be able to do this podcast with you. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, this is uh, you know, this is all I've been doing is podcast, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's been different. Yeah, I was going to say, I've heard you on quite a few different podcasts, which is good, because I know that with comedy being kind of dead, or in a coma yeah. at least, there are other creative outlets for you to be able to you know, kind of do your thing, but I, I, I don't know how creative it is to do. I, I, I get the podcast and I obviously have my own, but I don't know how creative it is. I, <laughs> it just is, I don't, I never want, if I didn't have to listen to what's in my head, I think it would be better for me. So I don't know why anybody else would want to hear what's in my head, but you know, <laughs> all right, I'm making it work out. Oh, nice. But it, it's funny too. I feel you, you've got the Spears and Steinberg podcast, which is awesome. And then before that, I was, I was listening. You also had the smells like radio podcast and it just sounds like you were never a real big fan of podcasting. I'm never a fan of hearing myself. Oh, okay. That's the thing. It, it is, you know, and it, like with comedy, it's a little bit more arranged, I guess, is how I should look at it. You know, like I'm, I'm talking about specifically what I enjoy, what I wanted to talk about, I guess. With a podcast, it's kind of like, you know, it's a, I guess it could be more pointed, but uh, we are, especially on Spears and Steinberg, we're just kind of a, on what's at the moment kind of happening. So, and I'm not enjoying anything right now. So it's, it, I, I, I'm having fun. I, I mean, I'm having fun having contact with people, but right. I'm not, uh, you know, I don't get much out of it after, except for the engagement that I'm having. Like, I'll have this with you and I'll be like, oh, you know, that was nice. I had this conversation with someone. Right. But as far as other people listening to it, I was like, why would anybody even want to know? Like, I don't want to know what's going on in there. And uh, so it, it, it's it's interesting. I haven't figured out the dynamic of myself and uh, um, how I connect with others that I don't have a connection to. If that like, I, I feel connected to the people at the comedy club because they came out and there's a connection that they were comedy fans, not necessarily mine, you know, Aries fans, but there was right. a connection in that we were all in this comedy thing together. Right. And this doesn't have the same feel to me because you have to be a little bit more careful in what you say, because these aren't necessarily people that came to a room for comedy and understanding the kind of comedians that are going to be on stage and what they're going to talk about. So this, you know, it's hard for me to hold myself back from some of the things that I might initially want to say, or that I think are funny or that I deal with. And on Spears and Steinberg, we're doing it, we're doing it a little bit, but we're cautious because we don't want to, uh, both of us have had, have interesting career paths. I mean, I did this when I was way old and Aries has this uh, reputation for being, um, I don't know why difficult because he's not at all. He's very easy like to deal with. But mm -hmm. when he gets uh, when you, when you he has a a low bar that you can easily get over. But when you don't get over that bar, then he does become irritated. But like Got any it. reasonable person should. Got it. So uh, on the podcast, we're, we we're extra careful to like when we want to talk about something. But and we're not supposed to talk about certain things. Uh, we we talked a little bit about. Uh, sexual orientation uh recently mm -hmm. and uh not deeply because we kind of had to move around it but it's like we talked a little bit about uh transsexual mm -hmm. uh and like why do we have to be comfortable with it can we can we acknowledge and be uh, like i get it and i don't want any harm to come to you but right. i'm i'm not all the way there yet i i i'm like for me i'm 50 i'm gonna be 55 here next month and so I've lived my life a certain way that 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 really wasn't included in the day to day. And so if I'm accepting of it, and but I haven't got all the way there, I'm not all the way understood, I'm not all the way caught up. Why can't I? Why can't I feel that? Isn't that more important to have the conversation? Honest conversation? Or is it more important just to appease 
a general uh, audience. And it's not even the larger audience. It's the louder audience of people that want people to be a certain way. And I, and I think it's really disingenuous. So that's, I think, why I'm having a hard time with podcasts right now, because I kind of believe that they're a little fake uh, in the way that we address things, because I think we are really censoring ourselves to be safe. Wow. That was, what a way to start the podcast. That Sorry, is, man. No, it's, it's good. It's good. And I think it's good stuff, too. And I think you're you're nailing it because, one, the atmosphere is totally different where somebody could be listening while they're at the gym or at some place where they're not ready to hear the comedy club type jokes. And then so they hear right. something and they're like, oh, shit, I'm offended now. Or, or, or just out of context, they might not yeah, take it the I, right way. And I, and I think that they're not necessarily ready – if they, if, if they don't have context of who you are as a person, yeah. I don't think they're ready to hear your opinion necessarily. I mean, if Fair. you popped into one podcast or two podcasts and someone said something that without the previous context of the podcast, you might be, that's inappropriate or that, that, that sounds uneducated when I don't think that's the, that's the case. I'm very, I, I listen to podcasts. I like to listen to podcasts though. Uh, I don't like to listen every week. I like to be surprised. Sometimes I'll catch two in that week, but I'll, I'll miss one. I, I like missing some things. I, there's so much out there, uh, but I want to be shocked a little bit. And that's, again, that's what I'm saying we're not doing. Uh, when you go to a comedy club though, I think it's, for me, I feel safer because when people are mad at me for something I say on stage, I can just easily say, sorry, I didn't know you were going to be here. Right. I knew I was going to be here. You knew you were going to be here but I had no idea you were actually going to be. Here. So <laughs> I, I feel very confident in that I, idea. Yeah. And uh, even if they don't like it, even they want to complain to a manager, even they want to complain and go home and tw tweet something out. That's fine to me because you came into an area that I, I had no idea you were coming. I have no idea what your life experience is. So that that's fair to me. This is different. And I'm, I'm trying to really uh, be more honest on the podcast and right. I was honest before, and then I think I uh, I saw what was happening to everybody, and I think I kind of thought about it a little too much. And I hate long explanations, like I started this podcast off with. <laughs> Man. But, uh, but I want I wanted to clear that up. So if people watch this and I say anything that's a little off putting, that's just that's that's who I am. You know, I think that's also on brand with the podcast. So I think you're good. I don't think okay, great. Much. Yeah, but a good disclaimer nonetheless yeah a long one too unfortunately but, uh... <laughs> yeah. all good no i'm glad we got into the meat of things um and for those of you who are wondering what podcast this is this is a comedy advice podcast i'm stefan satani your host and joining me today andy steinberg hey jazz hands Woo! all right <laughs> <laughs> i'm really excited to be talking with you because you are an arizonian born comedian you were grew up yeah. in tucson tucson yeah and then you started doing comedy at 42 and yep. uh, started doing it in phoenix i don't know why i'm telling your story but uh just wanted to ask you a little bit i like that you know it. it made me happy that you knew it <laughs> thanks Oh, man, I think it's very interesting. And I think it's really cool. And I, I also loved how you started to get into comedy. You started performing um, at festivals, performed with uh, and for Mark Marin, Dave Attell, uh, Doug Benson, which I think is awesome. And I loved how we were talking about it a little bit before the um, Smells Like Radio podcast, where yeah. it sounds like you and Jeff Weil would yeah. go and just crash green room, not crash green rooms, but would get no, into- No, it was a little bit of a crashing of a green room. It was actually, because uh, we would ask, I would ask, because I was kind of, uh, I had the in at the club. So I'd ask if we could, you know, can I get you for 20 minutes? We'll just do it like in between shows. Yeah. And they were like, uh, yeah, that'd be cool. They didn't want to say no. So I felt- you know, the, the ownership of the club was a little irritated with me doing it sometimes. Oh, because, okay. uh, they felt like they might be just saying yes, because they didn't want, because they didn't want to have to say no. And uh, so that was, uh, that was one of the issues with it. Uh, it was also, uh, we, uh, Ricardo, uh, do you know Ricardo Rocha? No, uh, I, he's I'm an not Arizona familiar. comic. Okay. He was out of New York for a while. He's back in Arizona. Okay. He was one of the guys, and he was really one of the guys that we weren't ready to do this podcast because uh, the other person was Matt Anderson. 
And he's okay. also, do you know Matt? Matt yeah. was uh, an Arizona comic that actually is in uh, Atlanta now. He was in New York for a while. Oh, but cool. uh, uh, Ricardo knew that I had the connection and he knew I wanted to do the podcast. Uh, Jeff wanted to do the podcast, but Jeff was just always more relaxed than anyone else. And uh, <laughs> Matt didn't really, he knew how to kind of do the equipment, but he really wasn't good at it yet. And so Ricardo was just forcing these to, to be done. And so we had some good ones, uh, some that we never released. And, uh, and then when Jeff wanted to do the podcast, Smells Like Radio, he asked me if he could take the name because it, it was the name of the podcast that I w- was doing. Uh, that we all ended up together on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, I had no problem with that. So he released that la- the episode that he actually ended up with the copy of it uh, was with Bobcat Goldthwait. And, uh, that's the one he introduced as the first episode. And then he had me on, I think the next week. And then that's kind of the launch and it's his podcast completely now smells like radio. Um, if you ever ask me to do it again, I'm always happy to hang out with Jeff. So, cause he's fun dude. But, uh, yeah, that's how that really, uh, I would like to say that that was a real podcast, but it really was just a real mess. And, uh, <laughs> and there was times when we were, had like four mics, and but we were recording all on one track, so we couldn't do anything. We couldn't change anything. We oh. it was a big learning process. So uh, I really I'm glad I I'm glad that I did it. But uh, uh, it was really fun. Uh, Bobcats was the best. I'm glad that's the one that got saved. But there's nice. one with uh, there's one with uh, Jamie Kennedy that was never released. That wasn't bad. But uh, again, Bobcats was the best. It really really was. Oh, that's awesome. And then you decided to, you were, you were done with it and then left. Well, Matt, Matt was going to do something else. I think he was one, he wanted to move. I don't know what was going on with Matt and uh, Ricardo always wants to do it, but then uh, he's so, and he will, he's, he's such a, like a a gorilla style, uh, like whatever he's doing, like we're going to do it. Even if I don't know how to do it, strap these things on and let's go. And I really got to the point where I was getting in too much trouble to be asking people to crash the green room, but the green room experience was the best part of it because they were kind of in their element. You know, they're at the show we're taking, we're promising it's only going to be 20 minutes and no one only did 20 minutes. Everybody always did. <laughs> that's how, that's how you get in. I like, well, that. because they were having a good time. I mean, we made it fun. We didn't make it like a, that, that was one of the things with Bobcat that was so great is that he kept on noticing that we weren't trying to control uh the room oh so, that's good yeah so he was into it but he was also now bobcat was the director of uh jimmy kimmel for a long time and right. he directed his own movies so like when the fan he the fans going he's just looking at the there's one point where the fan turns on and it was like an automatic and turned on it's just going and you can kind of hear it in the background and he's like uh he's looking at me and i think it got cut out i think jeff cut it out but he's looking at me like uh uh you gonna do anything about that and i'm like no, I go, I like the background noise. He goes, Oh, okay. And then the servers come in and they're putting food down. I go, no, I like all this. And he goes, I go. And so then when it came time for me to ask questions, I go, do you have a hard time letting go of your director's hat uh, when you're in someone else's space? And he goes so much. So like, it was so hard for him to let that happen because he knows it's going to have background noise. And that's not what he like. Ideally I knew that wouldn't be his podcast. He wouldn't want that kind of podcast, I but see. I was, I was really trying to capture the, the green room and what happens in the green room and the like you're not just sitting back there there's there's motion there's action so that was what that was about that's really cool and I was curious about that you I know you kind of explained it but the energy that goes on with the comics because I'm sure once you get to a certain point it's like okay I got this but I don't know if it varies comic to comic on okay I need some time to get ready or I need to, time to mentally prepare but um being in there in that energy seems like like it could be really fun or really tense, but it seems like you guys made it really fun. Well, most of the time, I think Jamie Kennedy's when we did it with him, I think one of the reasons I didn't want to release it is that I think we made him uptight. Oh, really? Yeah, you because know, I think he wanted his space and he he agreed to do it and he had fun. He had fun in the beginning. And then I asked him some I asked him a weird question and he didn't like the question and just it turned into uh uh just a little tension where I, all I asked him was, uh, was, uh, his experiences. I heard, I, I heard you have several experiences at, uh, the uh, playboy mansion. Anything you want to tell us? And he was like, uh, 
no, you know, and then he tried to make up some stories and, he, you know, I guess it was, it was more private, but to me, like someone who's only thought about the, uh, the, uh, you know, the possibility of ever having enough, uh, you know, a recognition, I guess, in this business that I would even get an invite to the, to the Playboy Mansion uh, seemed amazing to me, you know, the idea yes. of that. And so if he would have said, yeah, like the first time, you know, I mean, I was expecting an answer like, dude, like the first time you go to the grotto, that's the thing you're going to remember for the rest of your life. Something simple. I thought, right, it was, right. and he was, I think, you know, certain comics have uh, been thrown under the bus before by uh, people or, you know, just, you know, have things have been taken out of context. So they're more, they're more careful about them. And, uh, you know, I have, uh, I have interesting experience with some people that, uh, um, I mean, you brought up Dave Patel. Dave Patel was one of the most interesting experiences I ever had. Uh, Doug Benson, a very, uh, very calm, very interesting experience, but also very non-interesting at the same time. He's just, huh. he's just high, you know, he's yeah, yeah. having a good time. And, you know, he pulls out his little piece of paper on stage to read his joke, to read his notes for his jokes because he's high and he needs that little piece of paper. For oh, you, know, so you see that. But it was a very, you know, so it was very enlightening to me, but it was a very calm experience. He just wanted to chill out. He, he's, a, he's just a really relaxed, you know, relaxed guy. And he wants to be that way. So when you're in the back room, when you're in the green room with him, you just leave him alone and you're relaxed. I mean, other people I've had back there are just like, look, Bobcat was bring it on. Let's do whatever, whatever you want to talk about. And is, and as difficult as we could make it, he would take us up a notch. He wow. said things because we, we one of the one of the hooks for our podcast was our guest would leave three questions for the next guest we were going to have. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And so I said, so ask anything you want, because it's going to be but we're going to let him know it's coming from you. And he asked some really raunchy, rough questions. And he, he, he didn't care. I said, you know, I'm going to tell him it's from you because I don't give a shit. You know, he, so that, that you know, it like, just depends on who's back there and all the comics, you know, when they come to a, a new city, uh, they usually know that they're going to have a host that they don't know. So that adds, can add some fun to the room. So it's somebody different that they don't know. Um, and that kind of can brighten up a room or can really dull it down. So uh uh, the, the, these guys like a little adventure. I think that they want that because it breaks up the monotony on the day to day, but you, you catch someone on the wrong day. You never know what's going to happen. And you, you know that from doing the podcast, you, you probably have people on your podcast that you think are really high energy or going to be great on the podcast and they come on and maybe it's not their day. So, or the opposite. You're totally right. Yeah. I, I when you were telling me about the, some of the experiences you had, I thought of some of the ones that I've had where I totally expect trying to research, do interviews, hear different podcasts that they're on and I hear them and they come on and I'm expecting high energy and they're like, Hey, so how long is this? Can we, can we just yeah. zip through this? And I'm like, Oh, okay. All right, here we go. So it, you know, it, it's something that I, I have to work with and I know that I'm not a huge pod. I'm not Joe Rogan. So I know that there's a little bit of a favor for those comedians to come on just like, you know, you as well. I really appreciate you guys coming on. So I try to do my work. And if the attitude's not there, I try and bring what I have to make it fun in whatever way possible and just make them hopefully not regret their time. All yeah. that being said, I don't think Joe Rogan knew that he was Joe Rogan until he was Joe Rogan. I mean, it, that, that's that was, a meta, that's a metamorph, a metamorphosis. I mean, you don't, uh, you don't open up the door and walk into that space. He, uh, he beat that space up for a while to claim it as his own. So you, you're, it may be your space soon. Just that, to, that's yeah. what, I, that's what I'm going to tell my wife. Yo, babe, Joe Rogan didn't know he was Joe Rogan until he was Joe Rogan. So Rogan. that's how it works, man. You don't <laughs> know. And, uh, but you know, like, because even like Marin, Marin had like for comedy podcasts, Marin was the, you know, the measuring stick. He was the guy that was on the top. And all of a sudden Joe, you know, he's doing one, one, and then he went to two a week. And then Rogan was like, you know, hell with that. I'm going to do 12 hours every day, you know, and I'm not, I mean, being a little facetious, but yeah, he, uh, and then he turned it into a whole different thing. So, you know, that's how, we, that's the, that's the really cool thing about podcasting that, you know, as I, as I'm saying the things that I didn't like about it, the coolest thing is this medium is, is wide open. This is still the wild West. There's a frontier out there that we don't even understand. We know what everyone's doing, but we don't know what it's, what it is going to be. I mean, it's yeah. still wide open. So yeah, there's a lot more room here. 
I totally agree. And I think there's going to be a shift too, because right now what I've been doing since I've been stuck at home and a lot of comedians as well, it's just been blasting out emails and I've been able to get a lot of guests doing maybe five, six podcasts a week. And I'm releasing three, maybe four a week sometimes. And, uh, and I've also noticed and I've been researching trends on Spotify and other sources where they're saying right now, less people are commuting, less people are traveling, hence less people are listening to podcasts. So we're seeing the numbers go down. But I think optimistically speaking, end of this year, maybe after that, I think the listening is going to start picking back up because podcasting it's not falling off by any means it's not down to zero but there's a little softness and i think it's going to pick back up and i think the people that were doing podcasts i think they are going to be in a really good position for once that starts because there's going to be so much audio gold for people to be able to to mine and find and and listen to. yeah i would agree with that and i think that it's going to happen uh as uh like on my um, Amazon account, mm-hmm. I can ask uh, Alexa to uh, play. Po- I mean, it plays to any podcast I ask it to. Now that every as as technology evolves, and it doesn't have to evolve that much further. Just the convenience of it, and being at home as we are right now, uh, and I think being at home is going to be a lot bigger part of what we do going forward. Anyway, because I think companies are going to see how much money they can save and how much more, depending on the business, how much work they can get out of an employee that's at home and comfortable. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. doesn't have to commute and doesn't have to do a lot of different things. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot more at home. And as that technology comes up and people are more comfortable with it, I think it's not going to be a big deal for you just to be at home and, you know, type in, you know, you're on your computer and you just yell out to Alexa what you want because you're bored. I mean, that's, that's part of it. Finding it on the computer and you're already, it's a little bit of work yeah. and not that it's a lot of work, but it's just enough to maybe make a lot of people who aren't real savvy with their computer or their technology when they're able just to shout it out and get it pumped into their uh, living room or whatever area or their office, I think that changes a lot. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, all the ingredients for me to make a burrito are downstairs, but I'm too fucking lazy to do it. So DoorDash is right here on my phone. Why not just go there and order it? Yeah. <laughs> so really, really where we are. And I, and I think everybody's going to come to the, is going to come over, but there's so much content yeah. and see, I kind of like what you said, there's a lot, you're getting a lot of people on and you're getting a lot of hours. I'm kind of almost the opposite. I think it's just because I'm, I'm, I'm I shouldn't, I'm not an angry person. I'm not, but I, I have uh, anger towards like, I hate bad content. And when yes. I, and I'm on, like I go on Instagram and Instagram is the only app that I use. I mean, I'm connected to Facebook, but only through Instagram. I don't go on, I don't put out posts every once in a while. I might. And every once in a while, if it's something that I just think is something I want to say, I might hit Twitter, but usually it's just Instagram 95% of the time. Right. And uh, I go on Instagram and I watch and I see so many people that are just putting out content just for the sake of connecting with the audience. And I, I mean, I, I wish I could compare myself to David Tell. I can't, but I like his style better where it's, I'd rather not do anything than something that isn't what I want to do. And uh, he's doing a lot of nothing, right? Not, he, not that he's doing nothing. He's doing a lot of not putting out things because if it's not quality, he doesn't want to put it out. Now, right. I, I see the upside in putting out a lot of content, but I, I really want my content to be good or I don't want to do it. Yes, I totally agree with that. And I was just thinking about that. I'll touch on the podcasting part and, and the content in a second. But on the social media side, I've been struggling with that as well as I'm thinking, okay, everyone's telling me just pump out content, 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 content. And I'm seeing this content, I came across the same realization where I see people just posting things that I'm like, what is this garbage? And my thumb, it's just an instinct now or a reflex. I'll just like it. And I'm like, fuck, I'm adding to the problem. <laughs> so I see this stuff. And then I'm just like, is this really that good? Or is it just what's in front of me? And and I'm just like, oh, I'll support this person or I'll like this shit. And and so it caused me to start thinking, okay, should I really be putting pressure on myself to post a bunch of stuff that's not that great? Or try and focus on some really great stuff, making me happy, and then hopefully making others happy. So... I like that area better, uh, but, but I'm, I don't know the, I, I don't think that that is the right answer. I, I, I think the people want to see as much contact and contact and content. I mean, they yeah. want to, so 
They yeah. want that. I, I, you're right. But I'm not doing it. You're right. You're right. You're right. And and I, I think sometimes it can be inflated where some people, you, you see how many followers they have and it's, it's half those people are bought or likes are bought or whatever. And so it kind of leads down this trail of deceit where you might think something is garbage, but it has so many likes and you're like, well, is it? And you question yourself. And then uh, just because of the artificial inflation from fake likes or fake followers. Um, well, I guess I'm a sheeple. Maybe you're more of an independent thinker, but maybe I'm just lazy <laughs> and I'm using that just so that I don't have to do stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. But it, as far as the podcasting though, it has been fantastic for me. I don't know. I can't judge if it's good content or not. I'm seeing we're slowly trickling up with some more reviews. And Are you enjoying uh, the conversations you're having? I am. I then am. It's good content. And I have to say that I have gotten so much better at it. I'm still no Joe Rogan, but Joe Rogan didn't know he was Joe Rogan before he was Joe Rogan. So, hey, there's that. But I also feel like these are like my open mics almost. It's like an open mic and a show at the same time. Because I'm, I'm, as I listen back, I'm thinking they're obviously recorded. So I'm editing, I'm listening back. I'm like, okay, why'd you say that? That was dumb. You could be better here, blah, blah, blah. And so I feel like one, I'm being more comfortable with just meeting a person because I haven't had many recurring people on. It's all been new people. Yeah. And and so breaking that ice has been a little bit easier for me. And I, at least I become less nervous about it. I used to be shaking before I'd be pacing around in my room. I'd, I'd ask my wife for a good luck kiss. I still do that, but you know, that's for other reasons, but I, 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 yeah, yeah, give me, so I'm in here with a raging hard boner, but I'm not nervous anymore. No, no, you can't, well, you can't see it doesn't hurt you, but no, I, I feel like I, I am, I'm less nervous now. And, and now I feel like it's starting to really flow into a direction that I like. I'm getting people that I, I feel comfortable with and, and we're having good conversations. I'm enjoying myself. I hope you're enjoying yourself, but yeah, yeah, I am. And you know, the nice thing about doing a podcast with people that you really don't know that you're meeting is that the, the organic conversations are great because you don't have uh, that inside uh, conversation that only you two know. Because you you know somebody or you 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 or you're leading someone to get them to you can't lead someone you really don't know you can bring up things that you know about them but the conversation is organic it's nice so I think you're doing things in a great way it's great oh thank you I set that up just so I could get that validation so I appreciate well you got it <laughs> I went fishing I got a compliment so I'm good uh, but no I hey I, I want to turn the the shower nozzle and spray you with some compliments on the compliment okay. shower because I think you did an awesome job started comedy at 42 and you're touring with an opening for Ari Spears you were crushing it in the Phoenix scene I and I wanted to ask a little bit about that because Right now, I feel like the Phoenix scene has blown up and and there are like five, I think the comedy spot closed now, but now there's Stand Up Live, um, the House of Comedy, a couple different places. There are a lot of comedians, it seems. I kind of came into it fresh in 2018 because I was living in New Jersey for eight years before that. So it was was totally different. Yeah, the the Phoenix scene... yeah, you came into it. It it was it, it had really blown up. You know, we had more comedy clubs in Phoenix than we than there's actually in LA in LA in, in LA proper. Wow, oh, I did not know that. Well, because we had at one point we had stand up live, right, and we had Tempe Improv, and then you had uh, uh, Rick Bronson's House of Comedy, yeah, and you had Howard Hughes's uh, Scott's uh, Stand Up Scottsdale, and then you had uh, uh, the comedy the comedy spot. Yeah, uh, which I, and, and I'm not trying to. I don't want to really crap on Comedy Spot or or Stand Up Scottsdale. They were more of a B room. Uh, um, I think Howard had uh, Howard got everybody just before they blew up to A room uh, comics. So I mean, there's still really good rooms, but in LA, you really only have uh, improv. It's pretty close. You have improv, uh, uh, the Comedy Store. Um, uh, laugh factory. factory yeah yeah and then uh and but then you got to go to pasadena to get into the other clubs i mean you got to go uh they're further away i mean there, there's more clubs in la uh, i guess i guess the uh haha is 
kind of LA it's it's Burbank but okay. I mean they're not in that I mean in that tight area we had a lot of, we had a lot going on so um yeah I mean Phoenix is a uh, not and not to mention that we have the casinos that are also having you know major acts out um there was a lot going on in a very short time in Phoenix it blew up and there didn't used to be a lot of comics in Phoenix what you don't know about me from that is that I didn't start really doing comedy till 42 but about five years before that, at 37, I did it for about six months. I, uh, I, I was dared to do it. Uh, I did a contest that was actually a Tempe improv and I loved it. And I, there, but there wasn't any place to go do comedy. If you, there wasn't a lot of open mics, there wasn't a lot of places you'd do a, a hidden house, which you probably don't know. It used to be a place that was every Wednesday and it was like a really, really cool room. And uh, huh. you'd wait a month to six weeks to do an open mic set. Damn. Yeah, you had to be on the list and it took, you know, it took a month to six weeks to get on. So you really valued your open mic time. And that's the thing that I, I don't want to, everything I say sounds negative, but I don't want to sound negative. <laughs> that's the thing though that I missed about the old Phoenix scene is that um, because there was so much opportunity in so many bars and so many places, people were, when you only had five minutes and it was the only place you were going to get up that month, I mean, you really put a lot of work into that five, seven, 10 minute set if you were really rolling they'd give you a little extra time. But, you know, when there was so much, it also allowed you the upside is that you could get a little bit more experimental on your open mic because you knew you could get another one in that night or tomorrow you were going to do another spot. So, I mean, it has its ups, ups and downside. Gotcha. Okay. Nice. And then, so you were doing that, you were crushing it in the Phoenix scene and then you ended up touring. What's crushing it? What, what is this? I don't think anybody crushes when you're in Phoenix. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I might have been working. I was working. I wasn't crushing it. I was working. That's what we consider crushing in oh, the Phoenix. Oh, getting work? Getting yeah, work? Yeah. Yeah. So I was working. I was yeah. getting work. So you were getting work in the Phoenix scene. Um, and then I don't know in the timeline. We're going to have to figure this out in post. But then you ended up feature featuring and opening for... Uh, Ari Spears. So how yeah. did how did that end up happening? You know, uh, I hosted for him one time. He was out here, and I had a few jokes that he liked. Um, Aries has a Aries has a thing about he doesn't he doesn't like things to come from the same place. Okay. Um, so he really likes his opener to have a different perspective than he has, and uh, I have a different perspective. But I grew up in Tucson. I'm actually Mexican and Jewish. So I have, uh, you know, I grew up by the air force base. So I, I roamed through a lot of racial content. Wasn't hard for me to find because I was involved in a lot of, uh, with a lot of different people. I mean, I grew yeah. up in a neighborhood that by the air force base that featured, you know, Mexican dudes, black dudes, redneck dudes, hillbillies. I mean, I had everything around me, you know, I was the only Mexican Jew in the neighborhood, but uh, we had a lot <laughs> of different, I was the only one in my house. Cause <laughs> my mom got divorced from that relationship. So I was the only one. Oh, so man. I had, I had my own opinions on some race things and I, and I, I just slowly put a couple of them out there and he liked it, but I really didn't talk to him. And the next year he came out, he asked for um, the guy who hosted last time to feature. Oh, uh, He thought it was, you know, he was like, Oh, you get that guy. I like that guy. It's basically what he said. He didn't know my name or anything. If you got that guy, I like that guy. That guy was fine. And so then I asked him if I could do a little bit more, and he was like, yeah, go for it. And then he heard that. And then that same night, he goes, he goes, what else you got? And so I went and did some other stuff that he was just surprised that I would even do. And um, we talked about going out, uh, getting a few dates from him. And I did it. He, I called him a few times. And it, for whatever reason, uh, his life was in going in a direction. And I, and I have a rule that I don't usually call more than it's a bad rule, especially when you are needing work. You know what I mean? If you, if you, if it's, if it benefits you, you should call as much as you need to, to get that done. Mm. But I am not that person. So I, uh, I, I think I had, uh, I, I put three calls in and three was my max. Two is my max now, but three was my, my max before. And it's my insecurity that is the reason why it's that way. Because if I only put two in and they didn't call me back, well, I didn't try that hard. And they didn't get back to me. If I put a lot of effort in, and they don't get back to me, then I'm just horrible. I suck. And no one wants to talk to me. So, uh, uh you got to have you got to make your rules up as you go along. Yeah, it, right. It stings my heart just a little bit because I I feel that I don't have a rule for it. I guess, but 
or a definitive rule, but I think two is probably my max before I'm like, yeah. I don't want to put myself that much out there because then I'll, I'll yeah. fall if they don't catch me. Ugh. Yeah, that that's and that that's the hard part about this. So yeah, I, I I think I gave him my third call and I didn't hear back from him. And then he came the next time and he had me on. He asked me to be on the show again. And so we were talking. He goes, Yeah. He goes, Man, I, I don't know. We we really should. I should have had you come out. Should I go? Yeah. You said that last time and nothing happened. And he goes. uh, he goes, oh, did we? I guess, yeah. Oh man, he goes, man, he goes, yeah. He goes, I was having a hard time. I, I had some, I had some shit last year, and I was like, yeah. I, I go, I know. I heard about. It. I think he was going through a divorce, and so uh, I knew he had a lot of stuff going on. But you know, whatever. I don't yeah. care. I mean, I care. I, I care. I care more about it now. At that time, I, I didn't care that he was going through a divorce. I was just trying to get a right a road gig. Right, and, right. Uh, yeah. So he gave me his new number, and he said, "Call me, and don't stop calling me until I return your call." And uh, I called him again three times and he got back to me. Um, and uh, then he gave me a date. We went out and we did one date and it worked out pretty well. And then uh, we talked a couple times on the phone and he had another guy that he went out with sometimes too. And the other guy is from uh, Florida. And then he started doing a lot of cruises. So then he, he asked me to come do more stuff. And I just took all the dates. He goes, you can do all these. And I go, yeah, I'll just take all the dates. And I didn't care if I was making money or how I was, I just wanted to go up every week. And I wanted to go up with an audience. Aries audience can be uh, trying. It's hard, especially uh, if you image real white and I image real, like I look like a, I look like a rabbi. So, you know, that's not (laughs) what they're expecting to come out. And uh, I knew it was going to be a challenge and I really wanted to do this. And uh, it worked out really well. We started to really get along and, uh, we actually became friends. And so that's how this evolved. And then we started to do the podcast and now it's, we wanted to do the podcast. That was important too, for our podcast. We wanted to do it on the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we'd have things to talk about from the nights, you know, from our nights out, whatever we're doing. Yeah. And that's, that's how that evolved. But that's what really, I think the podcast kind of really glued it together and why we continue to stay on the road because it's really easy for us to do our podcast. Now, if I get other dates and I do take them, uh, if I'm, if, you know, I've, I've had some one night, one night or headliner spots that I got. So then I, I either take that and then meet him up later where I can do that. Or, you know, then we don't work together that week, but right now we don't work together at all because, uh, everything's closed. So, oh, you know, man. uh, that, and that's, that, that changes the dynamic of the podcast too, but that's how that interaction with Aries started. But I really have to, you know, before I, cause I, I made the joke about, you know, what's killing in Phoenix. Uh, I really owe a lot to uh, stand up live and, and Tempe improv and, and, uh, and Joel who is the owner and, and Matt, who's mm-hmm. one of the owner partner and Booker um, without them, I wouldn't have got any of it. You know, I had a nice relationship with them. I actually, a lot of people think that uh, this is funny. They think that I got in because I, I was working for them. I wasn't working for them. I got in with them and because they needed some help, I went to work for them. And then when I quit that, I started getting more dates. I was, it, it, we, I, I would have worked for them regardless if I needed those dates. I liked the guys and I was doing it uh, to benefit them. It really didn't benefit me because when um, I started working for them, they wanted to book me less and I wasn't allowed to tell comics that I was a headliner or that the oh, headline, right. I was allowed to tell the headlining comics that I was a comic because they didn't want me to try to sneak in and get guest spots or, and when I would get a guest spot, Matt would call me and he'd be like, Hey man, nice, nice guest spot. How'd you get that? And I would have to say, well, this person does and he goes, okay, yeah, whatever. But I, uh, so they thought <laughs> so it really wasn't to my benefit, but regardless of any of that stuff without them, uh, they really, they really helped me out by giving me um, an audience, like an audience, like a, a real room to work in. And um, it's great doing open mics and I still do open mics. And I love mics, but when you can work on a weekend and you can feel, you know, a few hundred people in the room and learn how to work that and working with different comics, uh, that's great. Uh, and you feel kind of like how you're, that crowd perceives you. And that isn't just the crowd, how that audience perceives you. And, it, it, it changes the way that you do, you do comedy. It doesn't change your jokes, just changes the way you stand on certain things or how you present things change. Uh, and then when you go on the road, 
which because of Matt and Joel and then meeting Aries and going on the road as much as I have, you don't learn anything until you, um, man, St. Louis, I was just, uh, St. Louis, just for instance, the Midwest is right. completely different than any other place that I've been. Um, that Midwest, it's just, a, it's a, I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to crap on the Midwest, but you know, they're nice in the Midwest. Jokes aren't just jokes to them. It's personal, you know? They, oh yeah. They little, yeah. Get a little, Oh, you know, when I talk about like my son who's on the autism spectrum, they're like, Oh, you know, they don't get that. This is a, this, this, this is a story, but it's, it, there's jokes in there yeah. and it's not to make fun of him. It's to make fun of us or how we deal with it. Yes, uh, yes. They don't get that, but you're, you know, you go on the East coast, the West coast where they're more experienced with and more experienced with comedy and they're not, they're a little hardened in their hearts. So they don't get so like, you know, yeah. goopy, yeah. uh, it changes. And that's what, that's what this is all about, man. If you can, uh, you know, you get your feet under, you get just like some comedy legs and then to take it out across the country is where you actually learn. And I, I can't wait to go do out of this country because that's a whole nother kind of uh, connection with people. Oh, that's really cool. Is that in the uh, future plans? I mean, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully, yeah, if we ever open up again, uh, yeah. it was something that was being worked on and then kind of went away. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but I, I really can't, can't wait to uh, experience that. And it's going to be devastating. It's going to be painful, but it's going to be uh, enlightening. You know, it's really changes your perspective. And I love seeing how other parts of this country work. And I, I want to see other parts of the world work. That's so cool. And that's so fascinating to me too, that the, the aspect of traveling abroad. And like you said, we have a micro version of it here. We all speak English. Uh, and I know they do in the UK and Ireland and and all those places too, but the regions have different sentiments. And like you said, they're a little more mushy hearted in the Midwest or yeah. they're a little more hardened in the East coast. And I, I grew up here in Phoenix and or grew up in Cottonwood, Arizona, near Sedona okay. on a farm. And so I, then I moved to New York or New Jersey and I was totally blindsided by how blunt people would be, but I ended up loving it. I'm like, yeah, God, People tell me exactly, yeah, people tell me exactly how they're thinking and what they know, and and they're honest with me, so I'm like, okay, you like this, you don't like this, you want me to get the fuck out of your way, whatever, I got it, and then once I made friends, they're like lifelong friends. Because it's it's real, Like, and I'm not saying it's not real uh, anywhere else, what I'm saying is, when someone tells you what they like or don't like, it either works or doesn't work for you, and then you move through that. Here, it's like no one says anything. And you think that you have a friend and then you find out later he hates a certain aspect of you or she, you know, the, the, it's, it, it's different. You, you really, uh, you really, it, it's the honesty is, is unbelievable. And it's, it's so important to be able to have honest conversations and disagree. And I love that in the East Coast, more so than the West Coast and the Midwest, arguing is okay. Like yes. it's okay to have uh, an argument. It's okay to, have a differing opinion and still be friends yes. where it's almost like as you go through the as you as you venture west it's less about that it's less about being honest it's less about and then under, trying to even understand or comprehend that someone else might have a different thought process than you um, it, it's very interesting i love the east coast i've always wanted to be in the east coast um even when i grew up as a little kid i wanted to go to new york and then i went to new york and i felt like i was home like i felt like oh this is this is where I was supposed to be. It just yeah. took me forever for whatever obstacles that I had or for whatever, you know, things I had to go through to get there. I, I'm more at peace there than I'm anywhere else. Yeah, no, it, it's a shame that I'm living here in Arizona and saying this, but the East Coast, it'll always have a soft spot in my heart because I think that the people there, I loved the people there. It was a shock at first, but yeah. I just, the, the, it, it soothed me. It was like the the honking of horns, the yelling, all of that stuff. It was just nice and soothing for me, and I, and I liked the the refreshing honesty from people and the friends yeah. that I made there are, are so fantastic, and the diversity too. I know you the would talk. Diversity is amazing. Yeah. It's amazing because you can't stay with your uh, you can't stay in your comfort zone. Yes. There. You have to be out. You have to engage with people that you wouldn't engage with. Like when you go out to eat here in Arizona, if you go out to eat in Arizona, you know, you're going to see basically 70% you, you know? Yeah. And yeah. you go. 
Yeah. And no matter what group you were in, no matter what group you were in, because you're going to go to a place that just is specifically for, for that group, because you'll go to your little pocket that you're comfortable with, yeah. where when you're in New York, it's, it's not that way. I mean, you've got to deal with everybody and everybody has to deal with you. Yes. So it's, yes. it, it, there's a fairness to it that exists. Yes. Um, I also don't feel crazy when I'm out there because I have some place to be. And if someone's in front of me and I want to get around them and I move around them and I just take off. So is another 28 people doing that. And the ones that don't want to don't do that here in Phoenix, when I'm doing that, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm like the crazy person. Oh, where's he going? What's this problem? You know, I, yeah, I, yeah. I have some place to be. I don't want to be in the street. Yeah, so yeah exactly. It, it's much more comfortable for me out there. It's really, it, it, it's, it's, it's a very uh, ill-fitting, but warm blanket for me. That Yes, exactly. Exactly. It'll always have a, a nice polluted place in my heart. I think it's just <laughs> wonderful. Uh, but anyway, I, I wanted to get into the self-help portion where we answer some questions yeah. and things like that. But I just wanted to take a pause and say this was an excellent talk. I, I, I really enjoyed the interview part with you and uh, more well, of a thanks. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Really I nice. like the conversation. Yeah. It was really good. Now, we're going to get into the self-help portion because I think we're both qualified to be able to do that. And we, I like to start us off with an inspirational quote that'll help inspire us to be able to answer these questions that okay. have been found across the internet. They're absolutely ridiculous questions, by the way. Um, but before I get started with my quote, I like to ask my guests if they have any inspirational quotes that help get them through their dark days. Um, my <laughs> only quote that I go to, it's my go-to, because I'm not... I don't have a great memory. I don't have recall on things. I can't, I don't do movie quotes, but I have one movie quote that I've always remembered. And it's from one of my favorite movies of all time, which is Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. And the quote was, no matter where you go, there you are. And <laughs> I love it. It's the only one I can throw out. It's the only one I can remember. I like that. Hey, it's a good one. I, I feel, and it's true. It rings true. No matter. It and it's a great scene in the in the movie. So I haven't even heard of that movie. By the way, of course way. not. It's one of those weird uh, movies from the eighties. Buckaroo Banzai. Uh huh. Okay. If All you right. go online though, there's a whole like commitment of weirdos to Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> of course there is. I lo I love yeah. every little thing. There's a, there's a, a little sect of zealots. I love. But that. if you if you look up the cast, it's an unbelievable cast of people that are in it. Oh, really? It's like one of Ellen Barkin's first movie. Uh, Peter Weller's in it. Uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum's in it. I'm trying to remember names. This is really good for me. Wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, John Lithgow's in it. Uh, wow. Yeah, you got it. And there's a bunch of other people in there that I'm not going to remember. So, okay. Check well, it out. There since, you go. Since I'm stuck at home, we've got a new refreshing thing for movie night before I won't get too much into it. But we watch a lot of TV now that we're stuck inside. So, my wife and I, between us two, I want to watch action and adventure and she likes fixer upper and cooking shows. So we compromise and watch fixer upper and cooking shows. And so I get like maybe one time I'll select something and she's like, this sucks. And then it kind of does suck. I don't, I don't do my research. I panic. She's like, you can choose. And I'm like, Oh, okay, let's choose this. And then it ends up sucking. So then we go back to fixer upper. So it's yeah. a perpetual but, cycle. But, but a bad movie is still worth watching sometimes. I think there's so much in there, but don't have her watch Buckaroo Banzai without with you. Uh, have her go watch her own fixer up her show. <laughs> you are going to get in such, she's going to be so irritated with you by the end of it. That's awesome. I also think that's a, that's kind of an inspirational quote right there. A bad movie is worth watching sometimes. I, I, I like that one. There's always something in a bad movie. That, you're right. You're right. And sometimes it's so bad it's good. Sometimes yeah. you form bonds because of this horrible movie, but there's this silly quote in it. It's that's great. All right. There you go. Well, good. What's your so, quote? So now my quote, I got it from a robot. It's called Inspirobot. And what it does is it uses AI to generate the wisest words known to man and then just mash them together for an inspirational quote. So we can try and decipher it. But this week, Inspirobot says, have you tried getting yourself a girl? More of a question, I think. But um, I guess I guess it could make sense if you're feeling lonely. And yeah. If you're interested in women. Um, yeah. I think there's an, it could be inspirational. I mean, I, I don't think there's any guy that really is laying around going, you know what? That that I, I didn't think of that one. That, <laughs> yeah. 
if they're lonely, that's probably what they were thinking about. Yeah, that's true. This is more like Depressobot instead of Inspirobot because I think it's like, well, hey, buddy, you obviously have nothing going on. Have you tried getting yourself a girl? Because there's nothing you can do to fix yourself. Yeah, maybe it should have said, have you tried getting a real girl? Oh, oh, (laughs) there you go. I like that. Yeah, throw the blow up out. Well, that's great. I think we nailed that one. So we're going to move on to the questions. Okay. We've got our first question. This one is found from Reddit. It's by our fan. It's found by our fan, Carrie. Thank you, Carrie. How do I impress my boyfriend's German parents? They don't know English very well, and I don't know German at all. But I'm flying 3,000 miles to meet them, so I really want to make a lasting impression and make them like me. What could I do? Well, if you're Jewish, I would advise you not to let them know. (laughs) That would be... That'd be the first thing that I'd probably go with. That is a, okay. That's a good, good tip. I like that. So going strong, you know, going strong. And if you're not Jewish, perfect. Just, and and, you know, highlight that I'm not Jewish. (laughs) Highlight, highlight how non-Jewish you are. Okay. I like that. I would uh, also not move your arms a lot. I think they're very rigid. They, they don't appreciate a lot. This is more of an Italian, uh, you know, uh, you know, they're more rigid, stay in your space, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, keep to yourself. Don't, don't break any, you know, uh, make sure that bubble is is, is sufficient for them to feel comfortable. I I would say that. uh, I like that. uh, I probably talk really with an aggressive nature so that they make sure that they can hear everything you're saying. (laughs) Yell all, you don't speak German, but yell all your English. Maybe, maybe do it in a German accent. So you'll think that they, can understand better. I think that would be more for her than it would be for them. But I mean, I still think it would feel good. They would, well, at least she's trying, you know. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Peter Schnitzel. I think German accents are fun too, I think. Yeah. Kinda... I think you have to put more of the hello. You got to give it the. Oh, the... yes. 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 Yeah. Like the. Very, yeah. Okay. I like that. Maybe, maybe you could also try and impress them by showing that you know the metric system. So I know you said 3,000 miles. Be like, I traveled 6,000 kilometers to get here. I'm a meter and 67 centimeters tall. And um, I'm here to impress you. But don't sound that suave. Yell it, like you said. Because I feel like that's the language of aggressive love. A tough love. I like meters, not yards. (laughs) That's that's good. I like what you're saying. I like that. that. That shows her intelligence, which I think is, you know, being on the metric system. That's really good. Okay. And anything, maybe learn a word or two of German. I feel like that would I'll be, be, you know, like a, just a couple, you know, just a couple. Like, what, what does Avidazane mean, right? Avidazane, is that like goodbye? Yes, goodbye. How come we all know what goodbye is in German, but there's not like a really, how are you doing kind of word that we know? Shit, that's a good point. I'm trying to. It's the rigid aggressiveness. It's, they don't care that you're there. They care that you're leaving. Yes. They make a grand exit when you, she leaves that night. When she after she meets them, leave. Oh, and maybe like a, a good German wine, like a, a Gehurtsamine or something like that, would be oh, something that she could bring to the table. That's a good idea. Or beer. Are they beer people? They're beer people, but you know, if you're going to dinner, usually uh, you, you bring a bottle of wine. I like that, and you know what? It's going to make you stand out because if maybe the ex boyfriend brought beer, everyone brings beer over there, and then that they're more wine folks. Well, even if they're not, they're like, oh, wine, sophisticated wine, American. Wine and you're like 1.57 liters because that's metric yeah. system again. So yeah. you're good. There All you right. go. All right. I think we, I think we, I think we, we're nailing this for I think we cry. I don't know the word for da. Yes. Da. We nailed it. Crushed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Moving on to the next question. This one's from Reddit from our fan Kirk. It says, my dad has no table manners. What can I do to make him improve? He has literally no etiquette when it comes to eating he slouches and he talks with his mouth full of food he drinks water really loud and he often just lifts up his plate and shoves his food into his mouth with a fork to make things worse my dad never wears a shirt at the dining table during the summer help well how is can i get any is there any background how old is this person my dad is 55 but how old is the person oh good question because I, I I would just not go home for dinner anymore. That's that's especially during the summer. That's a good and, yeah. Especially. And is this is this 
at home, well, obviously at home, not wearing the shirt, does this also occur at uh, restaurants? The shoveling the food, the the aggressive nature of eating. That's a good I'm a loud, I'm a loud drinker, so I kind of understand some of the uh, complaints. Mm-hmm. And my kids have given me the same complaints of my drinking, but uh, I, I need some more background. That's a good idea. You know, I'm a slurper as well. My my wife has made me know that. So I think one thing that my wife did for me, maybe it was a little passive aggressive now that I'm thinking about it, but she got me a crazy straw. So now I don't slurp. I just sip with my straw. There might be that annoying last liquid drop <laughs> But I think the rest of it's going to be a pleasant audio experience for you if you just give him a crazy straw, one that he likes. Maybe if he's a Pats fan, you could get him a little Tom Brady crazy straw or something like that. So that could get rid of the slurping. I think if if you're sitting at the table, if you started talking about your dad's chest hair, if you just started talking about it, talk about the way that it's like how how it's nicely moved around, especially to the back area, like, you know... (laughs) I almost want you like I'd almost like to sit behind you, Dad, because the the hair back there is it's 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 more it's hypnotic. I would like to look at it more. I think you might want to up the ante of your friends that you bring over to really shame your dad into putting on a shirt. I'm really stuck at the shirt more than the scooping of the food or the uh, the the shirt is like I really I really prefer a shirt. While I'm eating dinner. I think uh, a lot of establishments do with the no shirt, no service rule. Yeah. I think it's just kind of disturbing if you see a topless person, but then a topless person with a lot of hair. That that just starts to introduce a lot of unwanted scenarios to the imagination. Yeah. Like what if food starts to, like a spaghetti noodle just gets yeah. stuck and intertwines with the hair, gets crusty. It, he doesn't shower, so it stays in there. He spills some wine. Does it change color? All these thoughts just popping into your head you don't know about. So I think the shirt really is a, a main center of focus here. And, and yeah, very he's the last to come to the table when you're all seated, too. There's a belly button that makes an appearance. Oh, yeah. And then it, he might pick the belly button. I feel like if no, it's no, there. No, I don't know. I, I think if you're the way he's describing the dad there is a, there is definitely sounds like there's an opportunity for some belly button uh <laughs> work right there like he's, he's in it he's working areas of his body the scene is ripe for belly button picking yeah, yeah i definitely think that uh there's a shame I, I definitely invite over some groups of people that would make him uncomfortable and, and and shame him a little bit that's that's the one that i would go with this is yes i love this track and i would say who does your dad look up to and either bring that person or hire an impersonator. So if your dad really likes Elvis, no, Elvis is dead. So I think he might not let that yeah, one get past no, him. Yeah. <laughs> but John Lithgow, if he really likes John Lithgow. For no, example, but John Lithgow looks like a guy who might sit at the table without his shirt on. Damn it. Oh. So then John Lithgow is going to be without his shirt too. Slurping. Dude, you do this too? Oh, yeah. And he takes his shirt off. And they both sit there eating and scooping food. And you got to be very careful about the guests you're going to invite over to make sure that they're not going to team up against the rest of the room. That's very true. Yeah. Maybe that's why your dad is a slob in the first place. He looks up to other slobs. So good point. You, you got to be choosy on who you're inviting over, who he looks up to. But I, I, yeah, I was that's really like, and the only other thing I think you could do is record him, the sounds he makes. Oh, okay. And then put that on your phone for your ringtone. And then like, say to your dad, go, uh, dad, I, uh, I can't find my phone. Can you call me? And then he'll hear the noise. He'll go, what is that? I go, oh, that's you eating your disgusting sounds that you make when you eat. I put that on my phone to remind me how disgusting you are when you eat. See, that way he is actually bringing this up. Not you. <laughs> That's wonderful. I like that. Anything else that uh, could help this dad be a little less of a slurper, slob, and shirt wearer? Uh, hey, since we're... This could help. I don't know. Maybe this would help. Um, since we're in this kind of... Uh, pan- we're in this pandemic. Maybe you could video chat dinners with your dad. Uh, and he could see all the other people that are wearing their shirts and not scooping their food. And then you can say, you know, this is my dad, the non-shirt word, food scooper, uh, quick eater, um, 
guy. And then he can see people from outside the family and maybe he would straighten up then too. Oh, that's good. That's good. I also just wanted to circle back on your types of food. I think, and drink for the drinks, maybe you could just have him drink slushies. Cause I think that you can't really slurp that or else brain yeah. freeze. Yeah. And then for food, I was thinking popsicles, but I don't know if you could make a meatloaf out of popsicle, but in some sort of form where he, he's not shoveling it down. Maybe if it's like a pizza, I guess pizza's a little better, right? Cause you just pick it up and eat it. I can't get past the shirt. Everything that you're seeing, I, as soon as I get like in my head, when I bring it and I see like the, the, the shirt, the shirt is the, is the, is the big one for me. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Is, your dad, is the dad in good shape? I mean, if he was, and we don't know how hairy he is. If he's in good, sh- you know what? If he's in good shape, invite some women over so that he feels like he, you know, like he'll show them. Some, and then maybe she can take care of this situation for, him. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the dad's uh, married. I don't know anybody who's still married. So I'm assuming that he's single dad. Yeah. He's a slobber, slobbingly eating like that. I think that's a single dad. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like so, it. You know, invite some women over that he wants to uh he wants to uh, impress. You know, he'll look better. He'll, you know, maybe he'll just maybe he'll put a shirt on and just button it down to uh, unbutton it to the belly button. Still get the the look that he's going for. And he still gets belly button access. So yeah. for the picking. Oh, I yeah. like that. Yeah, that. Okay. Those. Those are good. I think those those are the best we can do. Uh because if he's fifty five and that's how he eats, it's really gonna be difficult to change. Uh, yeah yeah at 55 years old i mean he's set in his ways maybe you should just maybe you should turn it around i mean you could follow the have you tried getting a girl because that might be something listen to inspire bot just get a girl to distract you from the whole situation and then why are you still there at the house i I hope that this person's like 13 or 14 and can't leave yeah it could be could be maybe they just want to have a nice relationship with their dad but they no. Yeah. Have just have dessert. Just dessert with your dad. Just make it a pie and just throw it on him. <laughs> just make it a pie. It's pie off of his chest while he eats. <laughs> uh may yeah, maybe just maybe just be better with yourself and and just acknowledge that your dad's not gonna change. And if you can't beat him, join him. Take off your shirt. Just be shirtless. Yeah. See now, I like that. I didn't think fight fire with fire. Yeah, take off the shirt. Maybe it maybe it feels awesome to eat with a shirt off. I don't know. I've I haven't tried it before, except maybe at the beach. But maybe if you take your shirt off and you're just grubbing some chow, it's a great time. You feel liberated. I, I like it. I liked it. I didn't think of the the fight. The, seriously, that's the way you got to fight that. Yeah, I like the no shirt, no shirt. And then take off your pants. And if he th- he's like, that's too much, be like, well, look at you. And then yeah. you can have a conversation about it. But yeah, what's the difference, Dad? Everything's covered. Everything that you have, it's covered. I'm not showing any yeah. genitalia. No, go no. in deep. Get him. Get him that way. Yeah, get him. Get him. Urgh! Go German too if you want to. Just speak very loudly. Oh, you know what? I, I thought of one more. If he's shoveling his food, you could hide really spicy, like ghost pepper, little pieces of ghost pepper. <laughs> And then, then, you know, he'd probably maybe pay a little bit more attention. I f- fuck, man. I mean, I think these are a real good. Wow, <clears throat> when I hit epiphanies, that my my pitch goes a little higher. But I feel like these are some great suggestions here. Yeah, slushy to drink, spicy food, so he slows down with the eating. Take your shirt off too, and I mean, that's a perfect recipe for a less slob of a dad. Got one last thing that I think if none of this works. You could buy uh, the uh, face paint kit and you get one of those big like hats go over the top of the body and then you draw the face on the belly and you you have him sit there. He can do it, but just make him sit there with his belly paint, his face, the face on the belly and the big giant hat that goes down below the shoulders. So at least it's entertaining for you. The cherry on top of <laughs> of this sloppy table. If you can't fix it, figure out a way to get a win out of it. And that to me is the win. I think that's a perfect place to end it. All right. All right. So that is the last question and the end of this podcast. So thank you, Andy, for joining. This is a real pleasure. 
No, thanks for having me on. Despite how I feel about podcasts, I enjoy conversation with people that uh, know how to have one. And I enjoyed it uh, very much so. Oh, thank, thank you so much. That's Two thumbs up. Oh, yes, from my side as well. And I wanted to to offer to our listeners, where can they find you? What have you got going on? What have you got to plug? Let them, let them have it. Uh, I'm Andy Comedy on Instagram. Um, my website is andycomedy.com. Uh, my our podcast is Spears and Steinberg, all written out. Spears and Steinberg, uh, and it's on most of the uh, streaming platforms. Uh, and then, uh, if you really feel for me and how old I am, and you want to support a non-working comic, not by his own choice, but by everything closed, I do have uh, T-shirts for sale on my website. Yes. And I was just taking a gander because I am going to make a purchase and buy one for me and my dad since he doesn't wear shirts. But uh, they're awesome shirts. They look really cool. I like the Sesame Street one um, and the one with your face logo. Uh, got some new stuff into we print everything, almost everything on next level uh, shirts. So everything's real nice and soft. Oh. Uh, uh, the only I, I just did this, uh, that face shirt on a uh, uh, See, I do forget words all the time, and I don't know why I do this. Uh, what's the thing? Where, oh, camouflage. Yeah, uh, mm. I printed it on the camouflage, and, it's, and they, they don't make that in the uh, next level. So it's I just did like a small run of those just for fun, just to have. But uh, go online if you want to support me that way. That's great. I would appreciate it. But other than that, uh, please listen to the Spears and Steinberg podcast if you get a chance. At least give it a shot. Uh, it is, uh, it, it's a very honest podcast. So uh, bring your uh, open ears. Don't bring, uh, if, you, if, if, if you're an uptight person, which I don't think you have people listening to your podcast, but if you're uptight, I'm going to tell you this anyway, uh, don't listen to my podcast. And if you do, and you want to write something in, write the letter that you want to write. I don't care. And write everything that you hate about me and the podcast, and then put that in an envelope and then address that shit to yourself and <laughs> send it to you. And then read what an asshole you are when you get that letter back in. That's excellent therapy. I actually like that. I might try that one of these days. Yeah. If I get really mad at my wife or something, or or if I, or, or or two strangers on a podcast that I have no idea who they are and I don't like something they said, I'll be like, you know what? Mailing it yeah. to myself. Yeah. Like, when you write what you're mad about and put it in a letter, and then you read it like three or four days later, you realize what in, like that moment really wasn't that important. Shit. That I, I I'm I'm silent because it's pretty deep. It's funny, but it's also rings true. Yeah, so. it is. And 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 the good comedy uh, should have some truth to it. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I'm going to change my quote to that. How's that? Good comedy should have some truth to it. Yeah, and if you do good comedy and it has truth to it, remember, no matter where you go, there you are. There you are, and we are here. Well, that's awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Andy. And thank you, everybody. We'll talk at you next week. Bye-bye.